0: Wow. Well, again, church family, good to see y'all this morning. What an honor and a privilege for me to get to uh, read the teaching passage for us today. Our teaching passage is found in Mark chapter 3, verse 7 through 19. Mark chapter 3, verse 7 through 19. I uh, We may not have it all, because I know that says 13 through 19, but the passage will include, uh, we'll start at verse 7, okay? Okay. So Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. And a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, in the regions across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Well, let's, let's all pray together. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would just... Unite all of our scattered senses onto you right now. We bring our bodies to peace and calm and our attention onto you and your word. Holy Spirit, come. Fill our hearts. Fill this place. We need you, Lord, to understand what it is you want to say to us and and we need you If we want to hear from you at all, Lord, speak. Help us to listen today to the message that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can see uh, up there, we have a Vision Series 2024. And the reason we're uh, doing that is because the question is, does our church... Have vision at all? Does our church have a sense of where we're going and what we're coming here for? Do we have anything like that? Can our church go anywhere that we want to go without having a vision for where we want to go? Well, I remember being um, a little child and my parents taking me um, to church with my grandparents Every time I went to my grandparents' house, um, that wasn't really a habit of our household, going to church, but when we went to my grandparents' house, um, I would go to church. And so for me, church was kind of a unique, bizarre experience, because I wasn't used to it. So when I would go, I would think, well, this is kind of interesting. They have this little pulpit, and that that nice guy goes up, and, and he stands behind it, and then he yells and screams at everyone. I I don't know what he's doing or what he's talking about. Um, I remember, you know, him asking us to bow our heads to pray and close our eyes, me bowing my head, closing my eyes. They said, amen. But in my mind, they didn't say, open your eyes or lift your head up. So I just stayed like that for probably half the service until my papa, my granddad, said, are you okay? And, oh, I, I thought we were still supposed to keep our eyes closed. I had no idea. What was going on Um, I knew it was very sweet I knew it was very sweet being around the people I knew they were very passionate and excited about what they were going through and uh, what they were experiencing and um, you know I, I knew that it was an interesting experience but I say all that just to say as as a child when I went to church I couldn't help but think what are we doing here like this is cool but what is this all for what is the point And yeah, I was a little child when I thought that, but fast forward to being an adult, and there have been many times that I've gone to a church and I've wondered that to myself. I thought, well, this is is great, but what are we doing here? Like, what is the point of all of this? What is all of this for? And have you ever felt like that before? Like, if you're honest, have you ever gone to a church before and thought, well, this is great, but I really honestly have no idea what i'm doing here i really have no idea what the purpose of this is for if you felt like that you're not alone you know you might be here because you grew up going to church or even to this church you might be here because you think god wants you to but you're not sure why you might be here because you like being around the people here You might be here because you're curious about Jesus and want to hear more about him. That might be why you're here. I hope so. You might be here because you are a Christian and want to know more about the Bible. You might be here because you like the music and you like singing your favorite songs. You might be here because you want to hear an encouraging message. You might be here because your spouse asked you to come. And you might even be here because your parents made you come here. And none of these reasons are bad reasons to come to church. But what if there is so much more? What if we were here to encounter God's presence and be filled to the deepest part of our souls with his great love for us? What if we were here not just to go to church, but to become someone? Become someone radiating light, joy and love, to become someone at peace and at ease, to become someone full of hope and confidence, become someone whose relationship with God was defined by deep intimacy. to become someone who finds God waiting for them in all of their sadness, losses, concerns, frustrations and joys, victories, celebrations and dreams. What if we were here? To drive out darkness, to visit and comfort those who are sick, to encourage the downcast, to reveal who God really is to our friends and family, to bless the lives of those who love us and those who hate us, to touch the lives of those who have lost all sense of hope. What if we were here to speak truth and love to those who are held captive by lies? What if we were here to humbly serve even when the people we serve don't appreciate it? What if we were here to point people to where they can find a treasure worth selling everything for? What if we were here to shine like stars in the universe? What if we were here to invite people to experience a life more full and abundant than anyone or anything could ever give them? What if that is what we were here well i'm here today to tell you that's exactly what we're here for that is exactly what we're here for so we're starting our new vision series and the question i want you to ask is not what's the pastor's vision for the church you, i mean you can't ask that and you can wonder that that's not the primary question i want you to ask and I don't even want you to be asking primarily, what's my vision for the church? It's a great question. I love that you would take ownership of your church. That's not the primary question. The question is not even, what's my preference at church? The question I want you to ask and consider is, what is Jesus' vision for our church? What does he want? That's a question I don't want you to just ask, but to pray, Lord, what do you want for our church? What do you want us to do here? What do you want us to be about? And you know what, the best part is, we don't have to guess the answer to that. We already know the answer to that. Why? Because Jesus told us his vision for his church. And uh, you know, the, uh, the group I was in this morning uh, that Jeannie uh, and Ron were, were leading, uh they were talking about the great commission the great commission do you do you know what that is it's at the ending of matthew chapter 28 what is a commission when you have somebody who's over you who's superior over you and they give you a mission they give you a directive to go and do something that's a commission so at the very ending of matthew chapter 28 jesus gives his disciples his vision for his church and what is jesus's vision for his church His vision for his church is discipleship. Discipleship. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Like if discipleship to Jesus is the vision of Jesus for our church, then we have to ask, what does discipleship to Jesus even look like? What is that about? Okay, let's rewind a little bit. If you were, you know, Jesus in his uh, life on earth had disciples. He was a rabbi, but he was not the first rabbi, and they were not the first disciples. A rabbi, someone who taught their disciples, you see that with John the Baptist. You remember, he was a rabbi, right? And he had disciples. We had Gamaliel. He discipled and taught the apostle Paul before Paul became a follower and disciple of Jesus. So if you were to, in that time, become a disciple of someone, what did that look like? Well, you would be with your rabbi. And as you were with your rabbi, you would become like your rabbi. And the goal would be that as you're with them, and as you become more and more like them, you would go out and do what they did. That was what discipleship was about so all of that to say what does discipleship to jesus look like well church it looks like this being with jesus becoming like jesus and doing what jesus did so the first one being with jesus from the time that this passage took place in being a disciple meant like i said that you were studying under a rabbi or a teacher. And a disciple, if you were a disciple under a rabbi, you wanted to be like your rabbi and do what your rabbi did, but that meant you had to be where? With your rabbi. Now, were you just with them in a classroom? No. You were with your rabbi 24-7. The place of learning was not a classroom, but life. You did everything with your rabbi even you know slept in the same room as your rabbi you were always with your rabbi to be a disciple was to follow your rabbi so closely that you were covered in their dust that when you got home walking through the dust of palestine you would look and say wow man i've got all this dust on me from following my rabbi so closely uh yoz ben yozer who was a rabbi in the second century bc he said, Let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis and cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink in their words thirstily. So if Jesus came as a rabbi, what does he want? Disciples. People follow so closely that they are covered in the dust of their rabbi. But Jesus called us to be closer to him than any disciple ever had imagined being to their rabbi. Through the rabbi. How do I know that? Because he called us to not just be next to him, but to abide in him. To find our very existence within him. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches, and those who abide in me, and I in them, bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do Nothing. Nothing. So according to Jesus, becoming like him and doing what he did started where? Started with abiding with him. Started with being with him. Now why does that matter? Why does that matter that we start with being with Jesus? Because we are formed, and how we are formed starts with where we Abide. Who we are with. John Mark Comer in his new book, Practicing the Way, which if I've ever recommended a book to you, that's the book. Practicing the Way. That is phenomenal. Amazing. John Mark Comer says in that book, if we are rooted in the infinite scroll of social media, it will form us. Likely into people who are angry, anxious, arrogant, simplistic, and distracted. (laughs) If we are rooted in the endless cues of our streaming platforms of choice, they will form us. Likely into people who are lustful, restless, and bored, never present to what is. If we are are rooted in the pursuit of hedonism or uh, pleasure, another drink, another toke, or another hookup, to take the edge off the pain and let us find a moment's peace, that will form us as well, likely into people who are compulsive, addictive, and running from our pain and simultaneously our healing. But if we are rooted in the inner life of God, that will also form us. It will slowly grow the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like the reason you can't just go to church on Sunday and consider that discipleship is because that's just like one and a half hours out kind of an entire week. That's not good enough. And I'm not saying you're not good enough. I'm just saying that. We are constantly being formed by what we do, by what we spend our time with. It's so important, and everybody's being discipled. Not just followers of Jesus. People are being discipled by the world, by what we watch on TV, by what we spend our time with looking on the internet, by what we read in books, by conversations that we have. Spiritual formation is not a Christian thing. It's a human thing. And so as disciples of Jesus, the foundation for becoming like him and doing what he did starts with being with him. Now, look, I want to be clear. This does not mean we just stay inside all day, never go on the internet and never watch TV. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing if you didn't do those things, but that doesn't mean you can't watch TV. It doesn't mean you can't go on the internet. It it means this. It means that that we ask as we go about our day, can I do this with Jesus? Can I do what I'm about to do with Jesus? And if I do it and he's here, can I do it honestly believing that he's smiling on and approving of what I'm doing? And if the answer to that is yes, like I can do this with Jesus, then we do it with Jesus. We wash dishes with Jesus. We watch movies with Jesus. We look at social media with Jesus. We get ready for work and school with Jesus. We drive to kids night with Jesus. We do our homework with Jesus. We spend time with our friends with Jesus. We spend time alone with Jesus. That doesn't mean that while I'm watching a movie with my wife we stop and pray and pray the Lord's Prayer. I mean But what that means is that as I'm watching it, I say, I believe that this is something that I can do with Jesus, with him smiling on it. And I'm living with this awareness that I'm growing in, that he's with me. And so I want to do life with him. I want to be present to him and grow in that constant awareness of his presence with me. Not just in my morning quiet time, not just in church on Sunday, but all throughout my life. Like the disciples in our passage, we go out into the world covered in the dust of our rabbi. We start with, we have three goals. The first one is to be with Jesus. To be with Jesus. And these are just little previews. You know, I plan on the next three weeks devoting entire sermons to each of these, but we're just kind of getting a little preview right now of this. So the first goal, be with Jesus. Second goal of our church, which is a group of disciples of Jesus, the second goal is to become like Jesus. To become like Jesus. Yeah, you heard that right. This week, or I I should say a couple weeks ago, I was watching, well, I wasn't watching it. I came home and Marcella was watching The Chosen. Have you ever heard of The Chosen before? That TV series? The TV series about the life of Jesus. And so, uh, when I came home and Marcella was watching it, you know, there's a lot of movies about the life of Jesus. And I asked Marcella, what do you think about that that guy portraying Jesus? Do you think he does a good job of portraying Jesus? Marcella said, I like it. It reminds me a lot of my friends who love and follow Jesus. (laughs) Did you hear that? Marcella said, I like his portrayal of Jesus. Because it matches the lives of my friends who follow Jesus. So what writers and directors and producers and actors are trying to produce on screen is being produced and displayed in the lives of disciples of Jesus on a daily basis. On a daily basis. How does that happen? Because when people are with Jesus, they start to become more like Jesus. If they submit to him as their rabbi. If they honestly submit their hearts to him. Now you might say it's impossible for me to become like Jesus. I want to make sure you know I'm not asking you or telling you to to become Jesus or be Jesus. There's only one Messiah. There's only one Jesus. There's only one name under heaven by which we can be saved and it's not your name. And like John the Baptist said, I am not the Messiah. I'm not asking you to be Jesus. But to follow Jesus means to become like Jesus. Think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. He said, "...the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher." So you might say, well, I could never become like Jesus. Well, not according to Jesus. The goal is not to say, well, I have to be Jesus. But the goal is to say, you know, what would Jesus do if, if he were me? That's our goal, is to become like Jesus and live that life out in a life that we currently have. With the family that we currently have, the kids we currently have, the job we currently have. In that setting, we are becoming like Jesus to those people. That's the formation we are undergoing as disciples of jesus but look becoming like our teacher like our rabbi it doesn't happen overnight it's a commitment we give our life to do you realize that it's not like yes i want to follow jesus oh i'm like jesus no i mean it doesn't even work that way with a garden you know you plant a seed and you water it you go out the next morning all excited how's my garden I mean, it kind of looks like it did yesterday. But slowly, over time, as it experiences being watered, as it experiences sunshine, gardening, and you tending to it, it starts to take on the shape and form that it did not have before. This is a process. It's a commitment we give our lives to. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 through 5, 2. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Ephesus. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What? Now, why did Paul say that? He's talking to the church in Ephesus. They're followers of Jesus. They should have this down. They should have this all perfectly figured out. And yet he talks to them as people who are on a journey. Why would he talk to them as though they're on a journey? Well, because they are. And so are we. So it's easy to beat ourselves up when we fell, when we stumble, but when we fell, when we stumble... Scripture compares our discipleship as a walk, walking with Jesus. And when we stumble, get back up. When we stumble, we get back up. When we stumble, we get back up. up. Because we're in a process. This is formation. It doesn't happen in a moment. It's a collection of moments that lead us somewhere that form us into someone. This is not... Christianity is not about just going somewhere. It's about becoming someone, and that's the part that we always tend to forget in church. That's what it's all about. That's what it was all about for Jesus. Andi Andi Colbert in her book Trisopter, she said, the process of blooming is as valuable as the flower it produces. If we don't know that, then we will Totally ignore the process of blooming and just beat ourselves up for not being where we want to be. But we are being formed and shaped by our rabbi. We are with him, but we are becoming like him. Look, as we approach this, you know, a lot of you might think, well, I can't do this because I'll fail. And that kind of perfectionism is very crippling, not just in discipleship to Jesus, but in all of life. You have to be willing to fail at anything you try, at anything worthwhile. You just have to be willing to stumble and fail. Remember, you're not Jesus. Sometimes, you know, it's it's hard to remember that, but you're not. If we fail, you know, if you say, what if we fail? I want you to look again at the list of disciples on there. I see a lot of failure in that list. A lot of failure. Did that surprise Jesus? Was Jesus like... Peter betrayed me? What in the world? No, Jesus knew that would happen. He knew his disciples would run away from him. He knew he'd be betrayed. He knew that they would, um, even after he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, he knew that, that Peter would only sit with the Jews and not with the Gentiles. Though he did preach that they are all one and should be together, he didn't practice what he preached. He fell. That's okay. Because it's a formation. It's a process. And Jesus knows we'll fail. A guitar teacher knows their student will mess up the chords at times. A Spanish teacher knows their student will get the words out of order at times. A math teacher knows their student won't get all the answers right. But look, all our rabbi, Jesus, is asking us to do is come and follow him. That's it. That's all he's asking us. But he doesn't teach us before we go. He teaches us as we go you see that so this is not let me get it all together and then I'll come follow Jesus no this is let me come with all my rough edges let me come with all of my faults all of my shame and embarrassment and just come and follow Jesus and submit to him and let him teach me let him guide me so the first goal is to be with Jesus The second goal of our church and discipleship at all is to become like jesus. the third goal is to do what jesus did. now that part really uh, is strange to a lot of us. do what jesus did? how can i do what jesus did? only jesus could do what jesus did. well, except for the part where a couple chapters after Mark chapter 4. What are the disciples doing? What Jesus did! Jesus didn't just treat his disciples as little brains on a stick, let me just tell you all this information about you, or let me just tell you all this information about me, and then you die. No, he said, let me teach you. Come with me, watch me, imitate me, learn from me, and over time you'll start to become more and more like me, And throughout that process, you'll start doing the things that I did. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. They went out, the disciples went out, and preached that people should repent. They should change their minds about where they're going. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil. Oil in Scripture, what does that represent? The Holy Spirit. God's presence, God's Spirit. And they were going out to people who were ill and sick and pouring out that oil to remind them that God's here. God's here. It's going to be okay." So what were the disciples doing? They were going out and preaching the gospel. They were going out and joining in and delivering people from darkness. They were going out and taking part and people being comforted and prayed over for their healing. Who does that sound like to you? Well, to me, that sounds like Jesus. What are they doing? What Jesus did? That is part of the goal. That's a gigantic goal of following Jesus, to go out and do what Jesus did. It may not always look exactly like it looked for Jesus. It may not always look like it did for these specific disciples. But like I said earlier, what would Jesus do? I mean, we asked, what would Jesus do? That's a great question. Let's go a little bit deeper. What would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if he had my job? What would Jesus do if he went to my church? What would Jesus do if he had my role at church? That is a question that we are asking. Now how were the disciples able to do this? Because they were just really good students? No. That's not why. Yes, yes they did apply effort to that. And I know in the church we think effort is bad. It's not. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So it doesn't mean we throughout the effort. But as we go with our effort, we go out with power, with authority. How are the disciples able to do what they did? Because they weren't disciples of a regular rabbi. They were disciples of the Son of God, and he was giving them authority to do what? To join him in his work. Do you realize that? Is that that, that, is, that is so different than what we typically hear in church. Hear this message, feel good, go home, repeat. Mm-mm. That is not discipleship. It's part of it. It's not all of it. We are called to join Jesus of Nazareth in his work of healing, driving out darkness, and preaching the good news that he's here, and he's come for us, out of deep, deep love for us. So look, think about 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus wants us to join him in that work. Do you realize that? That's astounding! That's astounding. That's the work we're called to join him in. So not only did Jesus come to shine his light into the darkness of the world, he trained and equipped his disciples to take part in that. Wow. That's mind-blowing to me. That's crazy. This is what we're, we're called, not just to come here and listen to the stuff, we're called to do the stuff. We are here to do the Jesus stuff, to do what Jesus did to take part in driving out darkness, to take part in people being comforted and healed and hearing about Jesus. When, you know, I mentioned to you um, maybe a few weeks ago that me and Marcella recently went through something that it just, yeah, it's so horrible to go through a miscarriage. That was so hard. At, you know, at the time, uh, we lived pretty close, not anymore, but at the time we lived pretty close to uh, a family who we deeply admire and love, uh, the Hamaker family. And uh, the mom of that family, Chloe, um, when she heard what we were going through, uh, she called Marcella and she said, would it be okay if, if I just come over and uh, Just cook for you, cook a meal for you, and uh, just clean up your house. And um, we said, sure, come over. And, uh, you know, I was trying to be there for Marcella as best as I could as her husband, but also process this individually. So when Chloe came over, she said, hey, you know, we lived in uh, an apartment attached to a coffee shop. She said, you know, hey, Cody, you know, just feel free to, you know, go to that, you know, coffee shop and, um, you know, Marcella, you know, gave her blessing, go, go have coffee, go be by yourself, Go, go grieve alone. And I knew that I had permission to do that because, you know, my wife had a friend who was there for her, who would help her, who would grieve with her. And so, Chloe got there, I went to the coffee shop, And I was able to just breathe, I was able to call my parents, tell them the news, cry with them, um, just have some moments and space alone. And um, when I went back, I cannot tell you the feeling of coming back to a totally spotless, clean apartment with uh, soup just bubbling in the kitchen, and knowing, okay, food's taken care of, cleaning is taken care of, I'm so sad, I don't feel like I can do anything, but now I don't have to do anything. I can just sit here, and, and so Chloe, you know, she had to go to her, her next thing, but I will never forget that. I will never, ever forget being on the receiving end of that. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life. In, in one of the darkest and saddest moments of our lives, We felt the light and love of Jesus. How? Through a disciple of Jesus. Through a disciple of Jesus. Chloe is someone who is routinely with Jesus, who over time has become someone who looks more and more like Jesus, and who is now doing what Jesus did. No, as far as I know, she did not uh, cast out a demon from the room, but she did shine the light of Jesus into that dark place and took part in God's work of confronting that darkness and that sadness in our lives and, and comforting, us, comforting us, reminding us of God's love and presence, reminding us that God loves us, He sees us, He's with us, But through the love of Jesus in her, we were reminded that we are seen and loved and wanted by God. And what did Jesus want to show the world through his disciples? That they are seen, loved, and wanted by God. That's what he wants to show the world through us. So disciples of Jesus, who are they? They are people who believe they are wanted by God and display to others in word and deed that they are wanted by God say wow this is our reality come and join us in this come receive this with us okay look that is our mission that is our vision that is what we are here for that's what everything in here has to be arranged around organized around that has to be the end through which everything here becomes a mean to get to That's the vision. That's the point. That's the goal of our church. That's the goal of disciples of Jesus, past, present, and future, to be with him, to become like him, and to do what he would do if he were you. That is who Jesus is raising up, and that is who Jesus still raises up today and calls you to be. And if you have not said, Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you as a disciple, what did he say? and make disciples. You can still today become a follower of Jesus. Discipleship to Jesus is not something our church can do, like, oh yeah, you know, we we have BBS and then uh, we have um, church and then, you know, we do discipleship. No, discipleship is not just something we do. That's what our church was made for. That's what everything orbits around at our church, or at least that's the vision for our church from Jesus that he gave us. And as we step forward into the future of our church, the greatest opportunity in the universe is set before us every single day to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And we come here, why? Well, we sometimes wonder, why am I here? That's why. That is why. That's the goal. That's what we want to be equipped for. That's what we want to be trained for. That's what we want to invite other people in. To God's presence. To formation into the image of Jesus. And the mission to go and make disciples. And so church. May we be a church of disciples who Jesus. Or church of disciples of Jesus. Who daily do what who daily say yes yes to, to the call of jesus what is the call of jesus come follow me let's pray